Welcome to the Tiny Gospel Radio Hour, brought to you here live at Poolsville Presbyterian Church, deep in the heart of the Montgomery County, Maryland Agricultural Reserve. It's a joy for us to gather together in this virtual space today to worship and to share a little bit of the good news with one another. We're going to listen to some good Jesus music this morning. We're going to pray a little bit. We're going to center ourselves down in the grace of God's word in scripture, and then we're going to listen to a bit more music. But we're doing that today on Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday, the day when we remember the fires of the Holy Spirit descending on the early church. And to that end, we have our worship diorama of the week, which involves the Holy Spirit descending as a dove, people surrounded and excited and, um, and fire. So I'm going to turn on the fire now so you can get that. There we go. We've got fire aflame in the church through the, the miracle of, uh, of Worship Elder Jane Winnell's worship diorama for this Pentecost Sunday. We are most grateful for that um, and for the work that goes into it. Um, so in gratitude for all of that, we, um, we move into this coming week um, with a reminder to keep your ears and eyes open for emails. Um, our worship attendance for the, uh, for the week. Um, our message is, uh, uh, is one that you should be receiving during the course of this week. So we've got emails coming out. If you're not getting that regular notification, um, let us know and we will be sure to, uh, to get an email about the goings-on in the life of the church to you. Uh, next week will be Sunday School Sunday as we... Uh, typically would uh, have the kids gather in the sanctuary and have a kid-led worship um, where we reflect on the learnings and teachings of this year. Obviously, that's going to be a little bit different this year. We'll be doing that online, but join us here on Facebook Live together and uh, we'll encounter a new Sunday School Sunday next Sunday. Um, other announcements you can pay attention to when you Look at your email. You're not getting that. Again, send us a message. Um, contact us at poolprez.com and you'll find an email. You'll be able to get yourself onto that list to hear what's going on during the life of the church. Um, we're now going to go do a little bit more music as we step into our worship for this Sunday. Um, and our, our input this time out... Um, uh, we've asked for recommendations of music. If you if you have music that you've produced, if you encounter something that you'd like us to share, uh, offer that up. And so what we've got now, um, I'm going to take us on over to YouTube in just a sec so that we can watch and listen together. Um, uh, Ross Kozer had suggested to us that he really liked this version of um, Our God, He is Alive by a, an a cappella musician by the name of Michael Eldridge. He is a Christian singing pharmacist. Um, and his information and music can be found at acapeldridge.com. Um, but we're now going to listen to him uh, sing music with himself. Um, this uh, song called Our God, He is Alive. And we're going to watch and listen to him together.
Well, what we're hearing now is um, is just him not singing in the background. It's one of those things that uh, that you check out earlier and you discover um, as you uh, as you play it again um, that it hasn't worked. It's a funny thing because that worked perfectly last week and it worked perfectly a couple minutes ago when I tested it. So not quite sure why that audio is not coming through, but. Um, you can give that a listen. I would encourage you to uh, bop your way on over to um, to YouTube and to listen to him. Um, and we'll endeavor to figure out why and how that is the case. And maybe we can get in um, a little bit of him later in the worship because um, that was... All right. Well, we'll just have, to, just have to understand that he sounded lovely and we will figure out a way to get him to you in the next little bit. Yay. Um, let's now go to God in prayer, because prayer is always a, a good and welcome thing. Um, let's go to God in prayer. Gracious God, you have created each of us with our own gifts and our own abilities. There are things we can do that others cannot, and in our difference, we should find our strength together. Yet we look at what's ours, at what we've been gifted, and we assume that whatever we have is, is the best and only way. And then we look out at what our culture celebrates, at what brings wealth and power, and we assume that it must be the most blessed thing. When we do this, we risk belittling the gifts of others who are not us. We risk turning away the unexpected and the new and the gracious, and when we do that, we forget our relationship with you. For those times we close our heart to your spirit, Lord, please forgive us. In Christ we ask this. Amen. Listen now to the assurance of God's pardon. Friends, who is in a position to condemn? Only Christ. And Christ died for us, Christ rose for us, Christ reigns in power for us. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation altogether. The old life is gone, the new life has begun. Know that you are forgiven and be at peace. Amen. We are now going to uh, turn ourselves once again to hearing music, actually hearing music this time, so we hope. Um, we're going to be listening to O Come Thou Sweet Redeeming Fire, sung by the Poolsville Presbyterian Church Choir. Let's open ourselves to hearing that music this morning.
That was the Poolsville Presbyterian Church Choir singing, O Come Thou Sweet Redeeming Fire. We're now going to open our hearts and open our minds to the hearing of God's Word as we listen for it in Scripture. I'm going to virtually invite forward Elder Pam Mattis to read our Scripture passages for the day. Our first Scripture reading this morning is Psalm 104, verses 24 to 34 and 35b. O Lord, how manifold are your works! In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Yonder is the sea, great and wide. Creeping things innumerable are there, living things both small and great. There go the ships, and Leviathan that you formed to sport in it. These all look good, look good. These all look to you to give them their food in due season. When you give to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. Who looks on the earth and it trembles? Who touches the mountains and they smoke? I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have being. May my meditation be pleasing to him for I rejoice in the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. And our second reading from the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 3b through 13. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, 
but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another the discernment of spirits to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are activated by one and the same Spirit who allots to each one individually just as the Spirit chooses. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you for that, Pam. We're at that point in the service where we reflect back on... Um, just how pleasurable it was to gather together as a community when we could have the kids come up and um, hang out and share a message. Um, and so for the kids, um, we've been bringing out a worship buddy each week. Um, as worship buddies, we keep in a little basket at the front of the church and some of them wend their way back to the playroom in Spear Hall. And our little pals uh, keep the kids occupied and keep them company during worship. And so for this Pentecost Sunday, I was digging around through our stacks of worship buddies, and I, uh, I found this little guy. It's uh, just a little bear. Um, but he's, he's a little bear, or she's a little bear, with wings. A little, little angelic worship buddy who, who comes convenient with a I'm flying around handle. So... This little, little fellow, this, this little angel bear will be our worship buddy for this week. Um, and we've been playing um, different versions of the song that we always listen to, which is Jesus Loves Me. Um, and I had a version I was going to show you, um, but I'm going to see if I can get us to just hear it. Um, the... The version, because there are a million different versions of Jesus Loves Me all around, the, the version I'm going to listen to now is arranged by um, a musician uh, by the name of uh, Chad Floyd. He's a percussionist, um, and he's going to be playing for us Jesus Loves Me, his own arrangement. Um, he's a Chad Floyd percussion, and this is an arrangement for vibraphone. And unfortunately, the video connection is not working. Um, but we can listen to it. We're going to listen to Chad Floyd playing the vibraphone. And I encourage you to take it a look because there's nothing like somebody playing this kind of music just with four sticks on, on different, uh, different bits of metal. So let's give a listen to Jesus Loves Me on vibraphone arranged by Dr. Chad Floyd. <laughs>
That was Dr. Chad Floyd on the liturgical vibraphone. Um, and I'd encourage you to take a look at that on YouTube. It's pleasant to listen to, but uh, once you look at how much work goes into producing those sweet, mellow Jesus tones, you will be amazed. It's just marvelous. So that's uh, look up Jesus Loves Me, arranged by Chad Floyd on YouTube, and give him a watch because it's really spectacular. Um, let's now turn our hearts and our minds again to God's Word in Scripture. Our third Scripture reading for today is drawn from the book of Numbers, from Torah. I'll be reading from Numbers chapter 11, verses 24 through 30. That's Numbers chapter 11, 24 through 30. Let us listen again for God's holy word. So Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord, and he gathered seventy elders of the people and placed them all around the tent. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him, and took some of the spirit that was on him and put it on the seventy elders. And when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied, but they did not do so again. Two men remained in the camp, one named Eldad and the other named Medad, and the spirit rested on them, and they were among those registered, but they'd not gone out to the tent. And so they prophesied in the camp. And a young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, son of Nun, the assistant of Moses, one of his chosen men, said, my Lord Moses, stop them. But Moses said to him, Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all of the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. And Moses and the elders of Israel returned to the camp. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Gracious God, grant that the words of my mouth and the meditations in the hearts and in the minds of each and every one gathered here, grant that they might be acceptable in your sight. O oh, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. After a peculiar spring that went hot and then cold and then chilly, it is finally getting to be summer now. As our Washington area summer arrives with a creeping, smothering moistness. We're getting that first taste of that now. Here at the very back end of May. The air heavy with warmth as you step out in the morning. The heat lingering in the air when you step out at night. And we miss... Now we do that sharp bite of late winter air or that Granny Smith crispness of a spring night. Those are gone. And that means that suddenly the outdoors is less of a place of respite during the day, which is not exactly what we who've been stuck in our houses for a while really want to hear. You step outside and that sun... Oh, that sun just sits on your head. And you step back inside where the air conditioning is finally chugging along and you go, Oh, thank goodness. 
and the day is long and the day is hot and we find ourselves waiting for that blessed cool at the end of the day when the shadows run long under the trees and we can go out and barbecue. There's a lot of fires happening outside now. Flames that are cooking up things and grilling up meat. And even though I might not have eaten meat in 20 years, I have to say that our neighborhood has been smelling really good these last few days. But where the fire moves outside, inside things have, uh, things are a little less that way. Our own fireplace, right at the center of our house now, has centered into a long, dormant sleep. And it got great use this last winter, but now winter is past, and summer is not the time for roaring fires in the hearth or fire pits outside, especially as we get into the doldrums of a Washington summer and the idea of gathering on a humid night around a fire just... Ugh, just not something that appeals. But that doesn't mean, even though fireplaces and fire pits are now behind us for a while, that I'm not still thinking about fires to come, because I am kind of a firebug. I like fires. And I look to our wood pile there in the back of the house, sitting depleted as that quarter-plus cord of wood we had about January is all gone. It was evening after evening of winter coziness, and now when it's hot, now's the time I have to think about replenishing it and musing about the where and why of it, and there's a nice place I order wood from. But uh, even though I will do that, I look other places. As I walk through the neighborhood, I see branches left out, and I think to myself, that branch would Make a perfectly good fire. Why did it just, why has someone set it out for pickup? Or I look around my well-wooded little yard and look up into the trees above and see a big dead branch on an otherwise healthy tree. And I think to myself, you know, that's clearly dead. I could probably just take that off. It's only, what, 30, 40 feet up? That'd be like five or six evenings worth of wood. And then I mull setting up ladders and taking up the pole saw and I start mapping that out until I remember that whenever I've seen someone try to do that before, usually it's one of those fail videos on YouTube, and that's not something I want to replicate. Or I'll look out to the front of our house, where we've got a couple of dogwoods, and one of them is on its last legs. It's mostly dead, most of its branches now denuded of leaves, just a few sprouts here and there, and every time I glance at that dying tree, I mentally split it, cut it, stack it, and think to myself, well, that's a good solid week right there of crackling fire and popping wood and glowing embers. Better get that cut down so I can cure it for the winter. I love fire, and yet all my love of fire has to acknowledge that there's always been this tension human beings have with flame. It's the thing that gives us warmth, but it's also a threat. It's the thing that comforts us when we're cold, and yet it burns. It's the thing that refines, that cooks and prepares our food, and yet also that which destroys. 
We look at fire differently when we've encountered it differently. I'm not sure if Australians feel the same way about the crackling fire on Nibabi as they did at this time last year. You've all seen and remember the images of those flames. And when you've been huddled on the beach, the sea at your back and the roaring wind-driven firestorm at your front, throwing another shrimp on the grill might start feeling a little personal. Fire can light our nights and fill us with warmth. But now, as American cities yet again, as they have through history, burn with civil unrest, smoke rising in baleful red night skies, fire seems out of control. It seems threatening. The idea of conflagration, literally burning together, seems kind of an awkward Pentecost metaphor for life together. Today we haven't read from that Pentecost story, that Acts story of the early church and the fire tongues that descended on all of us, but we've talked about the, the essence of that fire, the Spirit, the fire of the Holy Spirit. And it is the fire of the Holy Spirit burning out of control that lies at the heart of today's passage from the book of Numbers. I only touch on the book of Numbers every couple of years or so, and the reason we don't spend a lot of time in the book of Numbers becomes obvious when you start reading it. It's a rough book. It goes on and on and on about things that generally don't seem to make a lot of sense in our context. I mean, this is a book that starts with a staff list. Um, and generally, that's the kind of thing you want to avoid in books you read. Our adult education class just worked our way, labored our way through Leo Tolstoy's The Kingdom of God is Within You, and Tolstoy is a verbose Russian who tends to go on and on and on about things. He knew not to start a book with a staff list. Because the Venn diagram of books that you would describe as page turners and books that start with staff lists, that, that intersection in that Venn diagram is pretty darn small. But numbers picks up. I mean, after it starts with, you know, first few chapters are just a list of people who work for people, it then gets into uh, mapping how many people are in each different subset of the 12 tribes. So it's basically you're reviewing census information. Um, and then after that goes on to five action-packed, page-turning chapters. I mean, that's just, it's exciting. And then, then when they get done with the census, they decide to, to split it up. The Book of Numbers gives us chapters where they weigh different objects. Here is how much this weighs. Here is how much that weighs. Um, and to be honest, um, that's the point where even our long-suffering adult education class would rather be back reading Tolstoy or Chesterton. It's hard reading. But finally, finally, the book of Numbers does pick up, and it takes a different turn. Because the Hebrew version of this book is called Bamidbar, which means in the wilderness. 
And that's where the Jewish people are. They are wandering through 40 years in the desert, experiencing hardship, encountering famine, opposition, and challenge. And the stories of that time of trial and testing are the real focus of that book. It just takes it a while to get there. Those stories are alive. They are interesting, and they minimize the use of lists. It's in that part of the book that we find today's story. The people of Israel have been gathered by Moses around the tent of the meeting. The tent of the meeting is the place where the stone tablets of covenant are kept. It is the holiest of holies. And it's not a safe space. We who miss gathering in our sweet little sanctuary, who understand sacred space as safe space, that's not how ancient Israel understood where you kept the Holy of Holies. The tent of meeting wasn't really even a worship space. It was, if you remember the movie Ghostbusters, it was more like that containment area where you store the ghosts, where you store the spirit. It was a place where you kept things that were dangerous because Yahweh understood the I am that I am, understood by the people of Israel as they wandered, their God was not a safe God. This is a little hard for us, again, to understand. We who are used to the comfort of our sweet little fellowship and our cozy little sanctuary, um, that's not the way God was approached. The God of Israel was not warm and fuzzy at all. Out there by that tent in that desert where the elders of Israel gathered around the tent of meeting, their concern every single time they worshipped was that their worship was going to end up like that scene at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark where you're, you're coming into the last verse of your contemporary praise song and the next thing you know, your face is melting. They feared God's movement in the world because it meant as that fire spread that everything they knew and understood would be destroyed like a fire God was. And once God's fire was out of that box, out of that containment place, nothing would stand. Their understanding of what God's fire was like is like the difference between the contained energy of a heavy lift rocket fo focused through the nozzle of a Merlin engine or that same power released all at once uncontrolled. One is a wonder, is energy focused and moving, and the other is destruction. And this time yesterday, I was not sure I was going to be able to preach that particular bit of my sermon. I had it set aside in case things hadn't worked, and y'all will be pleased to know, at least as of uh, my last hearing, that that dragon capsule has, um, has arrived and docked, um, which is a good thing. It was nice to see that fire work yesterday. But the challenge for Israel was it watched as two people who weren't authorized, two people who weren't part of authority, who hadn't been approved 
got close to that containment area where people were prophesying, which means ecstatic speech, proclamation of God's word, being filled with the Spirit. And those folks, those two, Eldad and Medad, wander back to the camp. They're showing signs that God's fire, God's Spirit, God's power was resting upon them. And those around Moses begin to panic. Stop them, cries the young man. Stop them, cries Joshua, son of Nun, Joshua of the book of Joshua. And there, I think we have to hear that they're not just doing that out of control, although surely control was a part of it. It goes deeper. There was a fear there, a fear that the neat order of the people would be changed, a fear that the presence of unmediated God would tear everything apart. They go to Moses and they say, stop this. But Moses only shakes his head and wistfully remarks, you know, that's kind of the whole reason we're doing this. If only, if only God would spread like the Spirit's fire, destroying the things we hold on to most closely, destroying our hatreds, destroying our anxieties, burning away our desire for violence against one another. If only, Moses says. And millennia have passed, and we are still a little uncomfortable with this. We are. We are used to our sense of control over things, to using our power to restrain the energies of God's Spirit. In our own lives, we use that power to constrain God's love by limiting our love to those with whom we agree. Limiting our love, constraining our love to those who do not offend or annoy us. Limiting our love to those who share our ideology or our socioeconomic category or our ethnic background. We want God's power contained. But if we constrain it behind the boundaries of our control, that fire does not warm any more than if you were to brick in your hearth on all sides. It would give warmth in the cold of winter. On this Pentecost Sunday, as we struggle with the idea of fire, remember the purpose of the fire of God's Spirit is not to destroy the things that we know are good. The purpose of the fire of God's Spirit is not to destroy our enemies. The purpose of God's Spirit is to transform all of us, to shape our whole world into the Pentecost grace of God's love and God's goodness. Hold on to that truth about fire and let its warmth stir and unfreeze your soul. Let that be so for you and for me.
Amen. Before we move on, I'm going to try another thing as we reflect on that word. I'm going to see if there's a way that I can get us to listen to that lovely a cappella arrangement that we kind of saw but did not hear earlier. Uh, let's listen for that. See there if we can hear. is beyond the azure blue a God concealed from human sight. He tinted skies with heavenly hue and framed the worlds with his great might. There is a God, there is a God he, is alive, he is alive, and we live, and we survive, and we survive from the star God, created man, he is our God, the great I am, the great I am. There was a long, long time ago, a God whose voice the prophets heard. He is the God that we should know, who speaks from His inspired Word. There is a God, there is a God He is alive, he is alive in Him we live, and we survive, and we survive from the star They cannot find, for God alone does understand. There is a God, there is a God, He is alive, he is alive. in Him we live, and we survive, and we survive from the star Sin by set men free, and evermore with him could be. There is a God, there is a God, he is alive, he is alive in here, we live, and we survive, and we survive from the star God. That's drawn from Acapeldridge. Um, our God, he is alive. And that's just all one person, layering voice over voice over voice and singing for us with a harmony that he's creating on his own. It's a, a blessing and a gift. Um, and give that, a, uh, give that a look if you want the link to that. Um, I'm happy to provide it. It's fun watching him sing that together with himself. Uh, as we virtually gather here week by week, um, I'll remind you that this ministry is brought to you uh, because of your support. It's what allows us to do mission and community and to sustain our congregation in this time of challenge. 
Um, for donations, uh, you can go to www.poolprez.com. That's the website below. And there's a way to set up regular donations at the bottom of that page. Alternately, you can mail your check, because we still do checks, to Poolsville Presbyterian Church, Post Office Box 68, Poolsville, Maryland, 20837. That's Poolsville Presbyterian Church, P.O. Box 68, Poolsville, Maryland, 20837. And we are still working on pulling together ways to donate directly through Facebook. Um, and once that's going, I will definitely let you know about it. Um, now let's turn our hearts and our minds again to God in prayer. As I call forward um, Elder Jerome Hobart to offer up our prayers of the people for today. Our gracious eternal God, we thank you for the challenges which life brings. It also brings change, changes which sometimes throw us into crisis. Be with us in such times in our Christian community. Like the early disciples, help us in our common life to find your guidance in our collective decisions. Help us to approach our decisions seeking your guidance through prayer. Help us to examine our own hearts for any unseemly motives. Help us to focus on the common good and not be driven by our own selfish interests. Help us to seek consensus and never be satisfied with power plays and divisiveness. Help us all to share in our mutual ministry. Lead us forward and help us to create a community where love, acceptance, and mutuality are expressed, where joys abound, and where results are achieved because we are all working hand in hand together. May it be said of us, as it was said of old, see how those Christians love one another. Let us be one in Christ. We ask that you would save us from ever being a cloistered cell which seeks escape from our world. Instead, open the windows of our souls to the world and its needs. Send us forth to herald the good news of Jesus, to be your servants to those in need, to visit the sick and the imprisoned, to remember the forgotten in our society, and to work for justice and peace. Use our very gifts so that, as Peter suggested, we all might do our fair share in this ministry. Bolster us in moments when we feel inadequate for the task and give us courage. And now for the prayers, prayers for comfort and recovery and strength for those who are sick in their families, for those who are depressed and suffering from anxiety, all those dealing with chronic health issues, all those dealing with addictions, and all those going through a difficult time. For Bill, for Jackie, Ms. Edwards, Kim, Elise, Sal, Susan, Gary, Jan, Roy, for Nolan, for Walt, for Wendy, for Wid, for Pat, for those affected by the coronavirus, for Lynn, for Priscilla, Doreen, and for Julie. Prayers to make our leaders make wise decisions of vaccination vaccine be developed quickly and we heed advice from experts. Prayers for comfort and peace for Blake Kelch's dad and for those who have suffered the COVID. Joys for Bill's sister in remission. And let us share in the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, 
thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you for that, Jerome. We're now going to listen to a group called Third Day singing for us the song Soul on Fire. Soul on Fire by Third Day. That was Third Day, singing Soul on Fire. 
And during that little interlude, I took the camera in close just so you could see a little bit of what our worship diorama says. A little hard to tell from the distance of our cam, but those fires of a soul alight with God bear specific fruit, not fruits of destruction or harm, but fruits of the Spirit that are laid out in Scripture. And I can read some of them here in case you missed that moment. Those fruits are reading from, uh, um, from your left to right, are right judgment. And then above that, wonder and awe. Below that, reverence. Across from that, understanding. Above that, wisdom, then courage and knowledge. A fire that refines, that builds up, that sustains and maintains us. That is the hope of a Pentecost Sunday. That is the hope of every moment we engage with the spirit of God's goodness working in our hearts, working in the whole of our souls, transforming our minds and shaping our actions to the grace of God's goodness. That's a hard thing for us to do, to embrace that kind of fire in a world that is so oriented to other forms of destructive fire, the fires of hatred, the fires of malice, the fires of gossip, the fires of misinformation and deception. All of those flames burn in our society, but they are not the fire of God's Spirit. This Pentecost Sunday, turn your heart towards that grace in all that you are and do. Embrace the warmth and love of God's fire. Let it burn in your heart and let it transform your life so that you might proclaim the goodness to all who yearn for it. As Moses wished that would be so, let it be so for all of us. And now, May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be and abide with all of us today and tomorrow and our whole lives long. Amen. We're going to wrap our worship today with a rendition of one of my, uh, one of my favorite frisky hymns from our hymnal. Um, this is Every Time I Feel the Spirit. And I'm fond of that one. Um, we're going to listen to Dr. Charles G. Hayes and the Cosmopolitan Church of Prayer from Chicago, Illinois. And they are going to bring us a version of Every Time I Hear the Spirit. Let's feel that as we go on out into this beautiful, warm, early summer day. <laughs> 